The retailer Bells operates over 600 stores in 23 states. The company's growing, and it's not only added 150 stores in the past two and a half years, but it recently announced a rebranding. So in this episode of Tech Transformation, I'm talking with Jackie Long, Director of Merchandise Process, about how the deployment of auto allocation technology is helping them react to the actual performance of these stores. We're joined by Richard Widowson of SAS, who partnered with Bells for the deployment, and the three of us are talking about the gains they've made, what's next in retail technology, and what's expected for the greater retail industry. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. I'm Lisa Johnson, the Editor-in-Chief of CGT. In this episode, I'm really excited to have with us Jackie Long, Director of Merchandise Process at Bells, and Richard Widowson, VP Retail and Consumer Solutions at SAS. Now, Richard is also a member of the CGT RAS Executive Council, which is a cross-form gathering of industry innovators who meet to exchange ideas and trends. So Richard and Jackie are here to talk to us today about how they had partnered together to improve merchandise automation. Richard, Jackie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get started. Let's just, let's talk a little bit about yourselves. Tell me a little bit about your background, about your roles. Uh, Jackie, can you go first? Sure. So um, the majority of my career has been spent in planning and allocation. Um, and so the last four years or so, um, I actually moved over to merchandise process and system administration. Um, so that was exciting for me, um, you know, growing up in, you know, the, the business uh, planning side of retail, where we had a system implementation for for changing our core merchandising system. And so I was on a special project team to help design and, you know, be a business consultant in that project. So that's sort of how I got over to like this process and, and system side of the business. So IT is not my wheelhouse, but it's been really fun to learn, um, you know, all of that through the last four to five years. No, I can, I can empathize with that a bit. IT was not my wheelhouse when I first joined CGT, and it's just been awesome learning um, from everyone as you go. Certainly an exciting industry. Uh, how long have you been with Bells? I've been with Bells for 11 years. Oh, 11 and prior years. to that, I was at Chico's for um, nearly three. Okay, great. So you've seen a lot of change occur through the business, I'm sure. I certainly have. And SAS has been a huge part of that um, because when I started, we were still on green screen. So <laughs> I got to lift the whole thing. There's some perspective for you. Okay. So Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about SAS and just, you know, why, how you, uh, your relationship with, with Jackie and Bells. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and thank you, Lisa. And uh, great to see you again, Jackie. So again, uh, like everyone else said, I'm not from IT either, uh, even though you would kind of think, well, aren't you in an IT business? Because I lead the, the global retail consumer goods and supply chain solutions business here at SAS, as you said. Uh, I've been with SAS for coming up on four years now, but spent all of my career prior to that in the in the retail industry in, in the UK, and then moved to the US uh, about 20 years ago, and had the opportunity to work with many great multinational uh, companies and, and working leadership roles across retail, and, and, and certainly been a, a lot of fun. But I think the, the fun part about my job right now is to, to work with, you know, and spend time with great leaders like Jackie at Bells and, and continue to help them and their companies on their journey as they're, 
you know, serving their customers and, and, and you know, how they can leverage technology and that. So it's uh, it's certainly a cool job right now and certainly very rewarding being able to work with great people like Jackie. Well, thanks for kicking us off. Uh, Jackie, tell us a little bit about, you know, let's dig in a little bit more about why you partnered with SaaS. Tell us a little bit about, you know, really what were these pain points that you're experiencing when you wanted to, you know, leverage new technology? Well, so I, of course, was in a very different position when we um, first chose and implemented SaaS. Um, You know, I understand that one of the main reasons that we chose SaaS was because of their strong forecasting capabilities. So my leadership saw a lot of value and potential for our future around forecasting and how we can embed that into our planning and allocation processes. Um, You know, obviously coming off green screen, um, everything was manual back then. So I remember the Excel worksheets and having to do queries to get the data. So um, this was obviously a significant improvement in the way that we allocated um, no longer planning in Excel either. So this, I mean, moved us light years ahead um, to something that's far more sophisticated and integrated through the entire process. Tell us a little bit about how you're using this technology within your stores. What does it look like for Bell's? Um, So about six years ago, we actually um, did our implementation around auto allocation. So a simple example of this is uh, we have a purchase order that comes into the distribution center. When we receive it, it automatically goes into SaaS and the allocation by store is done. And then it automatically goes back to the DC so that they can physically pack the product by store. So no manual intervention is needed. Um, For stores, it means a much faster response to actual selling performance since we're doing it right before it gets shipped to them. Um, But one of the other really big wins is actually for our distribution center. So, um, you know, our DCs have functioned much like many others with split shifts um, over the course of the years. And we certainly did not always have someone to allocate the product right along with them. So what that would mean is that we would get um, a backlog of things that are staged and receiving. And so the analyst would come in in the morning and there's a lot of product just waiting for them. It also means that uh, our whole transportation pipeline is not fully primed. So we have little chunks and backlogs, which is not good for efficiency for any sort of a supply chain um, situation. So AA or auto allocation has essentially allowed them to function nearly 24-7. So we don't have to have analysts who are sitting there just waiting for the DC to do something and they don't have to wait on us either. So what kind, I imagine this makes a lot of your employees very happy. So what's been the response from them? Um, so initially there was lots of hesitation. So remember we did this you know, six-ish years ago. So the general sentiment um, around automation back then, so I did some, some research to see how did everybody feel? And it was not really great. Everybody was still really nervous back then. I'm going to say globally. Skeptical. Um, right. <laughs> yep. But <laughs> Bells was not different from that either. So um, they were nervous about, you know, what are my roles and responsibilities for my job? What does this mean about uh, my position in my future? How do I make sure that it does what I would have done? Um, mm-hmm. So those were a lot of like the typical conversations that had to be um, discussed regularly to make sure that everybody was comfortable that the system's going to do the best thing for us. 
And so lots of meetings were held to have you know, Q&As and address any of the concerns that they had. There were targets to help them get on board. Um, so it certainly was a process, um, but I'd say now we have full adoption. Um, people love it. Um, and then even more so that now I have users coming to me with ideas of things that they want to automate that aren't currently automated. So, uh, you know, in general, I feel like there's a very good comfort level around automation now. So that's exciting. So it sounds like you had to do really a lot of change management work to get people not only on board, but now you've even have, it sounds like evangelists in, in your organization for this technology. Yeah, we, we certainly do. So and how is this technology improving your ability to serve customers, especially right now? Um, I mean, there's several there's several facets to it. So I'd say in general, right now for retail, um, and we of course are are the same in that our history is much less predictive of what we can expect going forward. Um, you know, this is partially due to you know the last three years and everything we've lived through, um, through very very quick changes in consumer demand, um, which you know has been hard to predict and then chase after. Um, vendor shortages of the things that we knew that we wanted, um, stock out, supply chain issues, inflation keeps changing, um, consumer demand. And so the automation that we've deployed gives us the ability to react a lot closer to actual you know, performance of the store. So you know, best case scenario, we have the ability to forecast what to expect and buy into it. But the next best thing is to react really quickly when it doesn't exactly happen the way that we thought it was going to. Uh, Richard, when uh, when Jackie's talking about the retail environment, I mean, does this dovetail with what you're hearing? You work with a lot of retailers, um, you know, within the same category or not. So what is this? Does this sound similar to what you're hearing elsewhere? I would love to get a broader perspective from you. Sure, sure. No, absolutely. And <clears throat> Jackie's story is such a, such a great story. And we hear, we hear it so many times. You know, I think when you, you know, I've lived in the green screen, green screen world as well, Jackie. And when you think back to, you know, how technology has evolved uh, over the years and, and it's playing such a critical role today. I mean, I think it's safe to say that it, it's no longer a point of differentiation now. I mean, it, it's table stakes, you know, to survive in, in you know, the, the modern retail industry as we see it today. And I think as you described, and we hear the same thing um, around the world is, you know, you have this data, you know, how do you leverage the data? How do you make decisions from the data? I love your story or how you're doing that, you know, automatically. Um, and then the value that that data provides, which you which you articulated, um, you know, perfectly. So I think, you know, the, the technology that that's out there that, that allows you to get more done in that automatic way. Um, and, and it's really now what we hear a lot, Lisa, now as we talk to people, it's around how do I do this this fast? You know, mm -hmm. I need the fastest. I, I need the most productive, um, you know, AI analytics platform. And, and, and really when, you know, companies can embrace that kind of capability and have that speed and, and efficiency, that's really what's now starting to drive the differentiation as retailers are moving forward. You hear a lot more retailers talking about how they really need to keep up with the speed of the consumer, or at least they should mm be. Um, so Jackie, I think for you and for Bells, looking ahead, what's next? I mean, when you look at, um, especially with retail technology, what are you excited about? The, whether you're working on or you just kind of see as the potential? 
So um, I see a lot of potential around um, AI, machine learning, forecast improvements, certainly all of those things. Um, but the next thing that we're really putting a lot of effort into and I'm super excited about is some automation around the identification of sales potential and then systematically adding funding in to those plans so that the buyer immediately has um, the dollars available to them to chase after the things that we have like, you know, very granular um, opportunity in. So, you know, in the past, we would have leveraged, you know, a location planner or, you know, someone in the organization to find those nuggets of of potential and trend. And I mean, you're talking about millions of data points. There's no way that anyone can can hit on this low level every single week and see what's mm-hmm. trending and then roll it all up and then try to pitch it for funding. And so what this will do is automate the predictive potential. Um, and then the planner can focus on strategic planning, things that the system couldn't predict. So we're kind of pivoting where our planning organization will be focused so that they can make an impact um, on the things that we really need strategic effort around. Do you see this benefiting multiple teams? Yes, so definitely. So, I mean, it, it will certainly benefit, um, you know, our financial planners and our location planners because it actually embeds the potential into their plans for them. So they don't have to, to identify and make changes to their plans for themselves, um, at least in this arena. For the buyers, it certainly would impact them too because it's you know recognizing that potential sale and giving them the funding to go chase after the things that are working. Richard, what about from other retailers? What do you hear um, the way that they're preparing for for the uh, today's and tomorrow's challenges and, and opportunities? Yeah, yeah, no, good question. And, and Jackie kind of alluded this to to some of this earlier. We we hear a lot of conversations, and this certainly has been resonating over the last couple of years around this this need for this supply chain uh, resiliency. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think, you know, as we look forward and as we work with, you know, um, progressive retailers like, like Bells here, I think those retailers are starting to re- realize that supply, supply chain resiliency is actually a, a key enabler now to, to profitable growth. Um, you know, I mean, I go back into my prior career and supply chain was just a cost of doing business. And, and now it's becoming a strategic enabler um, and actually is starting to provide companies with that point of difference in being able to, you know, as you said at the, be- at the beginning, Lisa, you know, you know, where's the customer going to go next? How do you continue to meet and exceed those expect- expectations, you know, with ever changing needs and demands? So, you know, having that ability and speed to, um, to make those decisions and make them quickly and in an automated way like Bells is doing, that's that's pretty exciting. But I think I think the the if, if I was to fast forward maybe the next three to six months, I think it's it's the capability to and this is kind of what Jackie was talking about, the, the capability to be able to kind of predict and use modeling to understand what might happen. You know, how do I get ahead of the customer? Um, how do I anticipate you know the customer's needs, or how do I anticipate potential disruptions? I don't think any of us wants to go back through the last couple of years, but how no, do I anticipate? Yeah, how do I anticipate what might happen? Um, and the power I think now with with leveraging the technology is let me model out those different scenarios. You know what could happen, model out the scenarios, and and provide the ability to. Um, I call this you know prevent a problem before it becomes a problem. So. 
you know, create those different scenarios, model out the impact, you know, make the smart, quick decisions and, uh, you know, you know, head those problems off before they become a problem. I think that's what's, that's what's going to come in the next three to six months. So I know, Richard, from other conversations with your team, that's where some exciting things like digital twins can come into play. So um, certainly a lot exactly. of potential uh, down the line. Okay, so uh, we're going to close out with one last question. So talking about consumer expectations, we all, the three of us, we're all consumers, right? So I would like to hear from you, um, you know, a personal or, or, or professional retail experience that you've, um, that you're most excited about or something that just really wowed you. So Jackie, can you uh, share one with us? Sure. So this, you know, probably seems a little bit silly, but, um, you know, my, my husband does most of the shopping and he came back from, I think, Sam's Club and um, was explaining to me how, um, you know, he shops and can check out live while he's shopping with his phone. Um, and so, you know, just thinking about um, inflation and, oh, my gosh, the cost of food these days, um, I feel like that could really be super impactful for so many people who are on a budget because you can, you know, make those decisions live instead of having, you know, I remember in childhood, that awkward situation of being up at the register and having to decide what, what gets to stay, what goes in order to stay within your budget. So um, I, I think that's very cool and um, super relevant for, I think, everything we're dealing with right now with inflation. Absolutely. I agree. Definitely not silly. And I would agree, very impactful for many different uh, types of consumers out there. Um, so that, that's a great one. Uh, Richard, how about you? Yeah, I mean, similar to Jackie, it, it's kind of cool. You know, I, I probably like the three of us. I love walking, physically walking around the store, but there's so many different ways you can you can engage now. And nobody likes standing in line at the, at the register. So I, I love the app as well, Jackie. I use it very frequently. But you know, the cool thing I've experienced a few times recently, certainly in airports, is this this ability where you just kind of walk in and walk out, you know, and there isn't this register. And and I think that's to me is like, I, I look at that and I think, wow, who would have thought five, 10 years ago, we would be doing our shopping on our phone. And now we're walking into a, into a convenience store, into an airport, you swipe the credit card and it knows what you've picked and, and you just walk out. And that, that to me is wow. And then Unfortunately, I fast forward and think, well, five years from now, ten years from now, do I just walk up to the store and they just hand me my, my shopping bag <laughs> yeah. because they already they've already predicted what I'm going to buy? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it, that. That to me is uh, is pretty wow around where this technology could could go next. It does feel futuristic, and the leap from from what we can do now into what you're you're saying could be possible is really not that far fetched. I would say it's not not too much of a difference between the those two dots. Um, mm -hmm. So. Jackie, Richard, thank you so much for coming on to Tech Transformation to talk with us. It's been really great having you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you, Jackie. Great to see you both. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit RISnews.com and consumergoods.com to sign up for our newsletters.